So here, just to get you started, here's 25,000 right now. Oh, wow. You don't get a million dollars all at once. You've just gotten an email or a call from somebody telling you you won a lottery. You're about to become a multimillionaire. All that's needed is for you to pay some taxes and fees on the winnings, and all that money will be yours. It sounds amazing, life-changing, but it's not true. This type of scam has been running for decades, and most people catch on. But others are blinded by the hope that fortune has smiled upon them. It hasn't, and it will only get worse from here. I'm Jim Grinstead, and today on Scams and Cons, we're talking about sweepstakes scams. Scams that offer something of great value, but once money changes hands, you are left with nothing but an empty bank account. Most scams involve some kind of distraction to get the mark to look one way while their pocket is being picked from the other direction. Sweepstakes scams are great examples. One day in his mailbox, John discovers something wonderful. A letter saying he just won the international lottery for $6 million and a check for $3,000. Hmm, I don't remember entering the international lottery. He calls the lottery agent to verify the news. Hello? Well, hello! The lottery agent confirms John's good fortune. He tells John the process to claim his winnings is easy. International law requires a portion of the check we just sent you to be wired back to the office immediately to pay the taxes on your winnings. After that, the rest of the prize money will be released to you. John deposits the check and then immediately sends the money to the lottery agent. John is so happy, he thinks he's going to be a millionaire. Too bad the lottery check wasn't real. Unfortunately, the money John sent was real. That's Western Union's way of saying people should never wire money to people they've not met in person. Wire transfers and gift cards are the preferred methods for scammers to take your money. It happens quickly, and once the cash is in the scammer's hands, it disappears. It also has elements of the pigeon drop con because he was asked to hold most of the money and send just a small portion back. Since banks won't disperse money that's just been deposited, he sent his own cash. When the check bounced, he was out his cash, and of course, there was no sweepstakes money headed his way. But that doesn't mean that real sweepstakes winners don't get some of their money up front. Publishers Clearinghouse surprised Mark Adair of Boston with a check for $1 million. PCH is a legitimate sweepstakes company and intentionally surprises winners with large fake checks because it makes for good TV. And hey, if someone popped up on my porch with a valid check for $1 million, I'd smile from here to Kansas City if it made him happy. Dave Sayer, the PCH Prize Patrol, presented Mark and his wife Sarah with the giant check. You, you can hang this on the living room wall, and that will look very nice. If you take it to the bank, they won't know what to do with it. So here, just to get you started, here's 25000 right now. Oh, wow. You don't get a million dollars all at once. 
This audio was recorded by Publishers Clearinghouse on April 1st, so that may have been one of the reasons Dave was extra skeptical when he came to the door. But as always, PCH wants to demonstrate its trustworthiness, so Sayers stepped up. There's some people who don't believe it's real. Yeah. What would you tell those people? Well, uh, well apparently we just won a million dollars. So that's pretty good. So it is April Fool's Day, but this is not an April Fool's joke. Okay. This is okay. for real. One of the reasons people don't get prizes all at once is that the tax collector is standing in the way. According to Inuit, winnings, winter cash, mobile home, car, or whatever, have to be included on your tax return, and the government would rather get its money up front. That means it will take its share before you get yours. And unless you're already walking around with all kinds of cash in your pocket, it will likely affect your tax bracket. Because of that, the government will determine how much is owed, maybe take a little extra, and wait until after you've filed your tax return to even things up. Dave and Sarah were lucky when the prize patrol knocked on their door. They were in for a great payday, taxes or not. That wasn't the case in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when a man was notified by phone that his wife had just won a $2.5 million sweepstakes. It was money that was important to them because his wife was in the hospital dying of cancer. They told her she wanted two and a half million dollar sweepstakes. If I just sent them this money, then I would get this sweepstakes and I would have money then to bring her home. By the time the scammers were done with him, he lost more than $400,000 in the house they lived in for more than 20 years. There's been a new and rare twist to sweepstakes scams. In this version, the sucker gets a briefcase supposedly filled with cash, and with the transfer of one more fee, they'll be given the combination that unlocks the case. The money is transferred, no code arrives, and suddenly it occurs to the sucker to just pry the case open. Inside, they find newspapers and maybe a copy of the Yellow Pages. An even darker twist happened in Fairborn, Ohio. The Dayton Daily News reported that a sucker got a briefcase, but it contained a warning that the case would explode, destroying their winnings if the final payment wasn't made on deadline. A similar scheme happened in 2016 when a person carrying a briefcase walked into a sheriff's office saying they believed they'd been scammed and the case had a bomb in it. The Arkansas Democrat Gazette said a bomb squad was called X-rays showed there was nothing dangerous inside, and when the case was pried open, officers found stacks of newspapers from South Florida. Let's take a moment to get some terms straight. What's the difference between a sweepstakes and gambling? Gambling has a legal definition, and for something to be gambling, there must be an element of risk. Skill alone won't cut it. A player must pay consideration, usually money, in hopes of gaining something of greater value. When it comes to sweepstakes, people aren't required to buy anything to participate, so they aren't gambling. They have nothing to lose. That's important because if anyone from a sweepstakes asks you to pay something in order to receive your prize, you're about to get screwed over.
Many times, investigation of these crimes fall to the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. The scams involve interstate commerce, and the agency has jurisdiction even when common carriers such as DHL, FedEx, or UPS are involved. Jason Thomason is an agent with USPIS and just closed a case that involved a woman named Terry Miller, who mailed briefcases and used other techniques to scam tens of thousands of dollars. Her activities began in 2019 when she was a school bus driver. She was asked to help people pay fees and taxes on lottery winnings by collecting the funds and sending them along to tax collectors. When post office officials discovered what was going on, Thomason told her she had to stop. And Miller signed a cease and desist order agreeing to stop. She decided to continue and found out in September of 2019, just three short months after signing the cease and desist order, she received money from another victim and sent it on. That's also shortly thereafter is when she sent the first briefcase out to a victim in Illinois. This briefcase they received, it was like a black attache case, combination lock case, and it was supposed to contain winnings or part of their winnings in it. So it's supposed to be full of money. However, the victim is told in order to get the combination to the briefcase, you have to send us additional fees or additional taxes for the combination to be sent to you. So the victim then forwards additional fees or taxes to Terry Miller or whoever they're directed to send it to, but a combination is never provided to them. Family members of this victim then broke into this briefcase and it was found to contain just uh, a local newspaper here called the Virginian Pilot or maybe some Yellow Pages books. So there was no money in it at all, but it came from a UPS store in Virginia Beach with Terry Miller's name on it and her return address. Thomason tracked one of the briefcases to Colorado, where a local postal investigator followed up. Those victims were out tens of thousands of dollars. They didn't have the money to spend. They were getting ready to lose their house because they couldn't make the payments on it anymore. They were having health issues, so they had medical bills stacking up. So that was a really sad case of the people in Colorado that I spoke with. Miller's case became even more twisted when it expanded beyond receiving money and shipping briefcases loaded with old newspapers. Um, a gentleman that works out there is a retired military, so he was a veteran, and he does real estate, commercial real estate out in California. He sent some money to Terry Miller thinking he was paying his fees or taxes in, in the form of a check. Well, the scammers then took that information off the check and ordered checks, so ordered check stock with his account and his routing number on it and had it sent to Terry Miller's house. They changed the address in the top left corner to Terry Miller's victim's company name, but had her address at the top. They tell her that she's now authorized to write checks off of his account and sign his name to them. And she started doing it. She wrote at least four checks that we know of. Now, it occurred to me that this is pretty sloppy scamming. Mailing or shipping briefcases, receiving money, depositing it in a bank account, then sending the money to someone else, it would be easy to trace, and the USPIS did its work to make sure it all held together so it would stand up in court. Finally, the day came to make the arrest, and since Miller was a school bus driver, 
was easy to locate her when she parked her bus at the end of the day. We had actually done surveillance and followed her. So I figured out where she parked the bus. She couldn't park it in the neighborhood where she lived. So we're staged waiting on her to show up. Sure enough, here she comes in the big yellow cheese wagon. She parks it. She gets off the bus, and as she's walking towards her car is when we swoop in and effect the arrest. She's shocked. She had no idea I was even looking at her. Thought she had gotten biased because she's using the UPS store to mail things versus coming to the post office. Miller was warned. She was told what she was doing was wrong. She knew it was a federal crime. So why did she continue to do it? They get so wrapped up in these cases and they believe it so much that it doesn't matter what we tell them or what any law enforcement person tells them or family tells them. They've got that hook in them that they're got, they have all this money coming and it's going to solve all their problems because, you know, we all know that money solves all your problems, right? Plus, she's in love with the person she's talking to. So it's kind of a romance scheme type sweepstakes scheme. I think it started as a sweepstakes scheme. They then saw or maybe could tell over the phone her condition that she was in. Maybe she was desperate to talk to somebody. She lived by herself. She has kids, but they're growing up and not in the house. And it was just her and her cats in the house. I think she wanted somebody to talk to and they picked up on that and they just exploited that. I think it turned into a romance type thing over the phone, although she'd never met these people. She told me she never even video chatted with them. She'd only just communicated with them on the phone, maybe through some emails. She was just 100% committed to it. And no matter what I said or what I did, it didn't get her attention until, you know, she's put in handcuffs. I think I had her attention then. I think that's a pretty good attention grabber. Scams are usually linear. It's a straight line from beginning to end, but others, like this one, require several scams, and in this case, it included a romance scam. So when the email arrives, when the briefcase comes to the door, and the spark of excitement strikes that you may be about to become very rich, what do you do? Thomason's advice is to talk about it with friends and family. People just need to be willing to talk about it. If you've fallen victim to it, tell others about it so that maybe you prevent them from falling victim to it. The cloak of secrecy just needs to come down. I tell people, get a buddy system, get somebody to check over your financials, meet once a quarter and look at each other's bank statements. They know what they pay each month for basically their utilities or their mortgage payment if they still have one or whatnot. And if suddenly they start seeing thousand dollar cash withdrawals out of the account, then that should throw a red flag for your friend and they can say, hey, what's this? So have somebody willing to look at your information and you look at theirs as well. So you're watching after each other. Don't be embarrassed about it. It happens to a lot of people. People tell me they feel like they're stupid. They feel like they're dumb, that they fell for it. And I tell them you shouldn't feel that way because you're being conned by people that are really good at what they do. That is their job is to call you to convince you that you've won this and get you to send money to them. So don't beat yourself up. You're not by yourself. There's thousands of other people out there that have fallen to this exact same scheme. As for Cherry Miller, she got 57 months in prison as part of a plea deal. She was also ordered to pay over $220,000 in restitution back to these victims. Now, she doesn't have it. I doubt she'll ever have it. But at least the order's there. And it's going to follow her for the rest of her life as she goes out and she plays the Powerball. You know, she hits some money. All, all of those winnings have to go to the victim so she doesn't get to benefit from it. 
So that's good. And who knows? Maybe she'll learn about her prize by way of a briefcase delivered to her home. A successful con seduces a sucker into a world where their dreams can come true. Power and great riches are within their grasp. This magic casts a spell that leads its audience to hand over all their money to scammers who vanish before the sucker realizes it was all an illusion. If you enjoy the podcast, please help us out by telling your friends and encouraging them to listen. Scams and Cons is available wherever podcasts are found and at scamsandcons.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Scams and Cons. Lastly, if you can head over to Spotify and leave us a five-star rating, it'd be really appreciated. Spotify listeners are more than half our audience, so it makes a difference. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved.